I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Good morning. Howdy. <laughs> Did you get energy this morning or something? No. Okay. I just thought being hilarious would wake me up. Oh, good. Didn't good work. idea. Alright, we are reading today Luke 18. We're starting and I don't know if we'll finish it, but we'll see. Um, Luke 18, I'm reading out of the NIV, the older version. Follow along if you have a Bible or listen, or if you don't have a Bible, there's Bible apps, or you can just listen to me read it too, but probably better if you have a Bible and you can take notes and stuff. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's get started. The Parable of the Persistent Widow. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Okay, I just have to stop right there. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Yeah, that's fine. Go for it. (laughs) This reminds me of the time you were preaching. Were you at seminary or was this in real life? Oh, no, this was in in Las Vegas. (laughs) When we lived in Henderson. So you were a real pastor. No, no. I was a real pastor. I'm just joking. Everyone makes mistakes, so it doesn't really matter when it was, but you were preaching on this, and you... Was it the beginning of the sermon or the end of the sermon? I don't even remember. But you were referring to this or reading it. You said you should never pray and always give up. And you didn't, you didn't catch yourself. You repeated it later the correct way, but I just, I just think it's so funny because you said it with such like enthusiasm. We should never pray and always give up. And I looked around to see if anybody else was shocked, and uh, no one was. No listening. one was listening. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They probably just were like waiting to understand what you were saying but it mm-hmm. nobody looked like mouth open appalled it was just like hmm. <laughs> they probably knew what you meant but i just i just think those sorts of things are really funny you yeah. should never pray and always give up obviously that was wrong it was a mistake that, that's not yeah that was a mistake right the correct thing is we should always pray and not give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make mistakes. Sometimes I catch them. Other times I don't. I know. I just find it really funny when it's so, like... Blatant. Blatantly, like... I don't want to say depressing, but, like, just... Well... Just wrong. <laughs> maybe that's why people say, never say never. You know, because if you mess it up, you really change the difference between always and never. So. Yeah. Anyway. But always is a big word, too, when you think about it. Uh, is it Luke, where he says pray continuously? I don't... But continuously, always... Thinking about praying all the time, I try to do it. 
I try. I'm, I yeah. try to remind myself just to always be in prayer throughout the day, either thanking God or praising God. And obviously it's easy to pray for requests throughout the day, but even that, mm-hmm. how long, how many like hours do I go sometimes where I don't even think about God? Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. So think about always praying. Yeah, I mean, the word is all times. So it could be like in every situation, pray. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, we, we eat, we wake up, we go to bed. You know, these are times during the day that we pray regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, but when we're doing anything to ask God for help, and then the the give up is not it's like don't become discouraged mm-hmm. so just to always find value in prayer i guess mm-hmm. not just like give up in life and then pray it's becoming discouraged that your prayers don't do anything don't give up praying mhm mm-hmm. Alright. Well then let's get started. That was yeah, a lot of talk always about the give first. up. <laughs> Never pray. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on the earth. Or, I'm sorry. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So this kind of refers back to a conversation we were having the other day about the dishonest tenant mm-hmm. that was stealing the stuff. And but talk- it's also really much like the father... Or not the father, the person who's asleep. Mm-hmm. That That's was in, in Luke, Luke, right? That's in Luke 11, yeah. We read that, where he was, you know. He didn't want to get out of bed to help his neighbor. He didn't want to get out of bed, but he said, even though, even this guy will get out of bed because he's, because of his boldness. Mm-hmm. wasn't persistence in that one, but Yeah, because he's knocking there at midnight yeah. doing that. But I think in all of them, it's, you know, the lesser person. Um, and this is a point I don't think I made very well in the dishonest servant. You know, the point is not to be dishonest. The point is, if even the dishonest know how to do something well, or if even the guy that doesn't want to get out of bed is going to get out of bed. Or if the judge, or the judge who doesn't fear God or doesn't like people is going to give justice then how much more is God who does love us, does care for us, 
you know, distributes his gifts appropriately, how much more is he going to help us out? So by giving a terrible example of, or an example of, not a terrible example, (laughs) an example of terrible people doing good things, Mm -hmm. you know, you think of a perfect God doing good things and Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So the last part when he says, you know, God will, God will give justice. God will help. Mm-hmm. He won't keep putting you off. He'll give you justice quickly. And then the last sentence, will he find faith on the earth? Not a rhetorical question, like, yeah, will you guys have faith? Will you be one of those people? Or is it like, hmm, I don't know, it just kind of surprised me that that was a question. I obviously didn't read it like a question the first time I read it. Um, it's, uh, this is how... The dictionary, one of my Greek dictionaries, describes it. It's marker of a tone of suspense or impatience in interro- interrogation. Then, or um, like you, you want to find. So it's a, it's a complete shift. Like, is anybody gonna be of faith on the earth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because the first part is about faith, the persistence, the widow has faith that even though this ruler is bad, mm-hmm. that it's worth it to keep coming in. Yeah, well, so the then, idea. Like you said, it's a, an example of a bad person, and she's persistent, and eventually he grants her justice. So, why would we give up it would have been easy for her to say oh I asked once he didn't give me justice why should I go back he's a terrible ruler and give up mm-hmm. but she didn't give up in the case of a bad ruler we shouldn't give up in case of, in the case of a great ruler and then he asks so will you find that kind of faith on the earth will you know that sort of persistence so I see what you're saying the marker of a of suspense. Yeah, so just the idea of a widow, I think, is something to touch on. Well, just the fact that they didn't have any, like, Social Security or system or anything like that, so they're the weakest person in society. Oh. You know, they don't have an advocate. They don't really have a standing in the council or anything else. And if... I mean, they're like, they would be extremely weak in political power at that time. So it's it's purely just persistence that gets this done. Mm-hmm. Not anything else um, for the judge. It's just almost annoyance, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, moving on. Verse 9. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, 
one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Anything there? I think it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of people who, like in job interviews, when they say, like, what's your biggest weakness? And then they're like, I guess I'm just, like, too hard of a worker. Or I'm a little too punctual or something. They, like, mm-hmm. say that. They're, like, basically complimenting themselves constantly, mm-hmm. which, I mean, is maybe a job interview technique. I'm not sure, but I don't interview for many jobs <laughs> anymore. But, you know, I had little kids who are, like, I'm sorry that you... I'm sorry that you cried when I was doing nothing wrong, like, they mm-hmm. just turn these apologies into accusations. Right. <laughs> like right, continuing the argument but pretending it's an apology. It just reminds me of that where he's like pretending he's praying but he's really just insulting the people around him. Yeah. But the It's really immature spiritually. The Pharisee immature. I mean what's he doing? He's comparing himself to other men and the tax collector is comparing himself to God. They're just using completely different standards. So if you compare yourself, you know, to other people, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way, because I don't feel that way. There's a little footnote here for me in verse 11. Mm -hmm. When it says, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself after about, it says, or two. Wow. So, what does the Greek say there? Mm, Oh. Pros. Which is, (laughs) everyone knows what that means, of course. Not probst. Pros. Pros. (laughs) So, normally, it means two. Outone is the accusative, so let's look at... What a handy little dictionary you have. I know. It tells you everything you need to know. That's what dictionaries normally do. Oh, some leave you wanting more. This is a little better than a dictionary. No, so... Yeah, normally it would be two... Um, yeah. Here, That's so this doing. is this is so we, they call this a gloss. Like a gloss is what the dictionary says a word means in a different language. It's like a 
the, the easiest to understand one. A lot of times, you know, there's deeper meanings in translations, but the gloss is expressing direction on the side of, in the direction of, from, or at. So it's what direction the prayer is going. So he stood praying at or to, like in the direction of himself. So, so it could be about. It could be about, yeah, because if, he's, if the direction of his prayer is based on him and his works, sure. that's one thing. Or about, and let me look at the other guy. Um, standing, now look up to heaven, not raise his eyes. It doesn't say a word like that, I don't believe. You, no, he read his breast and said. Yeah. Bitch. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... So, again, that's one of those translation things that it doesn't really change well, the meaning of it too much. If you much. read it, that with the word too, it would be pretty obvious, like, prayed to himself. Yeah, I I clearly see it as about because the clear words, oh God, you know. The other way you could interpret to himself would be like when you talk to yourself. So he's doing it quietly. Like he prayed to himself quietly. Yeah, but he's not doing that. No, he's not. He definitely is bragging. And try and insult, like I said, the people around him. Or even this tax collector. I see him, like, doing an open hand gesture <laughs> to the person standing over there. Like, even this guy. Yeah. I just can't imagine someone saying that. Well, I can. It's written here in the Bible. And no, we talk about I know. It every year. <laughs> it's pretty easy to imagine right. for okay. me. I, I can't imagine that, <laughs> but just you know, thinking about that guy, I thank you. I'm not like other people, which I know is a thought that goes through a lot of people's head. I've heard, I've heard some people, not in, not like shaded as a prayer, but some people can be quite narcissistic and turn cer- certain phrases into insults to others. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that happen, and so it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Because it's very easy to, to, to sneak in little insults. The devil does make it easy to do that. Uh, yeah. I think I don't have, thank you God, I don't have that problem. Right. Or right. I've never done anything like that. Yeah, I'm so I'm so thankful that I don't have to worry about blah blah, you know, and then I can cut. But uh anyway. The whoever exalts himself will be humbled, he who humbles himself will be exalted. Do we do the whoever is first will be last? Whoever's last will be first. No. 
We read that previously with the guy that exalted himself at the dinner party. Yes, yes, that's right. I couldn't remember. I was thinking about, I also was reading John a little while ago, and I talk about that when they do the who's the greatest. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thought. It's present, and Jesus repeats it, obviously, a lot, that we shouldn't think so much of ourselves. We should think so much of God. Mm -hmm. That's important. Alrighty, let's see how much time do we have. Let's do the little children that ties in. Perfect. Verse 15, the little children and Jesus. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You should read the ritual or two. It's a good contrast between little children, you know. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, and do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All this, all these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with men is possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left all we had to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God Will fall, will fail to receive many times as much in the this age, and in the age to come, eternal life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so going back to the little children in Jesus, mm-hmm. I do want to say one thing that I. I didn't have an aha moment this time, but it was, a few years ago. I read a book right from the start about the importance of bringing your children to church and it said that the word babies or the word children um, in Greek is like a word for a child like younger than a year or maybe even six months Like a, yeah it's brothels so it's someone still like nursing yeah so very small child because I think in a lot of popular paintings and children's books you see these children that are you know like walking and maybe kindergarten age and above mm-hmm. but if you think about that Jesus was specifically talking about those three and under there. 
that's, I think, pretty important because we do live in an age where people maybe don't want to bring their kids in. There's a lot of churches that do um, church separate for kids or have nurseries or childcare. Um, and I don't want to like say any of those are bad because it's just different things people are used to or trying to accommodate to the parents. But mm-hmm. I think it is important that little kids come to worship mm-hmm. the way that, you know, they want to. And, and the book was, I'm not, sorry, not the way they want to, the way that they will in the future. Mm-hmm. The book was kind of saying that if we expect older kids, you know, confirmands, teens, etc., to come and join our services the way they are, mm-hmm. you know, when when do you transition them? Well, you get to play and not listen until you're five or until you're ten. Mm-hmm. Then you have to come out here. Then they have no experience, you know, what's going on? What are the prayers? What is the liturgy? How do I, you know, sit still and get my attention? Like, if you want someone to do something as a lifelong habit, then why not start it right at the beginning, like right from the start? If you just try to teach someone to to value something when they're 10, then, you know. Yeah. The other thing I think is forgotten a lot of times is our worship is different than the the focus of our worship is different than some other Christian church body's focus of worship where we go to church to receive from God his word you know and be strengthened word and sacrament but we also go there to participate in worshiping our God by singing and saying the great things that he has done through Mm -hmm. you know confessions and if we have children go to Sunday school they don't get an opportunity to do that to worship to give back to their God and they have faith you know so them trying to follow along with the hymns or saying the Lord's Prayer or you know just being a part of that group that is offering something to God is important for their faith mm-hmm. from a very young age and yeah they're not going to do it perfectly but you know we're a family of believers and we want to do our best to support everybody so yeah and I think that when you look at like parenting what do a lot of people do with with what they love like let's say camping if you love camping you take your kids camping Mm -hmm. from a very young age Mm -hmm. you know if you love football you're watching football at Mm -hmm. home and the kids from a very young age they see that and they start asking questions and they start understanding it from a very young age Mm -hmm. if you love you know whatever it is, art, you're probably drawing and doing, having a lot of art supplies in your home. Kids will catch on to that. 
and they don't even have to be talking to understand those things. Mm-hmm. You, if you really loved, you know, let's say football. I'm saying that because I really do. But I like kicked my kids out, never spoke about it to them, like basically hid it from them, and then said, "Well, this is really, really important to me, and I love it." But well, I'm not going to share doing. it with my kids. They're sitting, they want them, those churches are at Sunday school and things. No. But and you yeah. and I, I'm just playing the other side of it. You and I both know how difficult it is to get it, oh, get things yes. out of worship when you have There's been many weeks children. where I don't even know what's going on at church. I'm right, just there. Right, so but, there is that to balance as well. Yeah. A lot of football games I watch, I'm very distracted because there's kids in the room asking me a bunch of questions about what's going on and things mm-hmm. like that. What I'm saying is you don't keep, you know, you go in there and watch this dumbed-down football game. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, not saying that's what Sunday school is, but when you do that, you're you're not getting the full understanding of, like you said, worship. You're... I mean, doing Sunday school is great. They can learn about God. Mm-hmm. They can learn lessons. But a Bible class is not the same as worship. It's different um, mm-hmm. purposes. Well, so, and you get the opportunity as a parent to train up a child right. in worship and introduce them to, oh, this is what's going on. This mm-hmm. is what God says. You know, to be that shepherd in your in your little family and pastor there. Right. So I was just trying to say that if it's some if something's important to you as a parent, you can see that people incorporate that right at the beginning, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's I I think holds true too for church. You value something, your faith. If you show that's a priority and that being in church and you know, singing and listening and praising and learning and all that stuff is is part of your life and is an important part, then it will be important to them. If it's like, oh, I don't really, you know, it's okay if we skip church or it's okay if we do this and you don't even have to be in there. You just have to come along and then play on the playground or do whatever then you're not showing how important it is to you. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, when you want your kids to learn something's important, you model it and you, you know, make it happen, so. Yeah, I had, those are all great points. Um, I had two kind of translation things that stuck out to me. One is that word brephos. Mm-hmm. It's the same word that Luke uses when John jumps in the stomach of Elizabeth. When Jesus, oh, as a John the Baptist, mm-hmm, in in utero, in utero, yeah, when uh, Mary enters into the house of Elizabeth, it says brephos for the baby in the, the womb, the unborn baby, the unborn baby, mm. yeah, leaping brephos. So you know infant young child but just kind of another statement of life you know that's here I think that's important because people are bringing babies to 
can't have Jesus touch them. Well, you're not going to touch them in the womb, but... What, what if, like, touch... It could, yeah. <laughs> Touching a pregnant person's but tummy. <laughs> the idea that... Bless the unborn child. There's not a distinction yeah. in the language between a child in the womb or a child out of the womb. I think that can be a reassurance to anyone who's ever lost a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before it was born. Mm-hmm. And knowing that when you're going to church and when you're praying... You know. Yeah, you're around the word. And that's how God you're, creates faith. You're giving, yeah, that baby the word and mm-hmm. let the babies come to me. Come here, mm-hmm. babies. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I always I always kinda was off key for me is this why do you call me good? You know, only God is good there. Mm-hmm. And you know, Jesus is setting up this argument basically where only God is good and then the man basically says well I'm good mm-hmm. you know I've done all of these things so it's more than Jesus you know saying like playing dumb here oh why are you calling him good only God is good wink wink you know that's the kind I always thought of it but no it's only God is good you know, you know the law, it's not to do all these things, and only God can keep the law. And the man says, well, I've done those. Basically, he's calling himself on perfect. the same level as God. Well, he's acting like the Pharisee. Like, obviously, I'm perfect. What else do I need to do? Mm-hmm. And that, why do you call me good? I guess I've always thought it was like him saying, are you saying I'm, are you admitting that you have faith in God? Like, do you, so you're recognizing I'm God, right? Oh, I see it as like him placing the bar. Like, what do you need to be saved? You said I'm good, but only God is good. Mm-hmm. And what does it take to be good? It takes all these commands. And the man yeah. says, since, a boy, since I've been a boy, I have been good. Which means yeah. I have been... Perfect. Yeah, God. So, mm-hmm. rather than Jesus, right, concealing his divinity here, it's more in an argumentative form of I see that that makes sense yeah yeah this um section too it just seems like well the Pharisee the tax collector the little children and then the rich ruler it's all talking about you know be humble be like a child um don't don't exalt yourself in your riches. Easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Because if you're... The, te- the temptation with rich people is to put their faith in themselves and their money. And so, yeah. Don't don't exalt yourself. Don't, don't do this. Don't, you know, he's talking about our faith in all of these, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and the persistent widow too this is like a whole section about put your faith in god god is good put your faith in god not yourself put just have faith like a child and put your faith in god and not your riches it's just faith 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 that's Mm -hmm. the way i read it yeah not anything that you 
do or produce on this earth. Because right. it's so easy to get obsessed with things. Obsessed with money, obsessed with power, obsessed with your reputation. Mm-hmm. So, all right, well, we'll move yeah. on. It's a good place to break, talking about Jesus foretelling his death and different healings. Mm-hmm. But that kind of wraps yeah, up we'll the section. We'll do that next time. All right. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Scooby-dooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura wake up.